third of Santos, 
study time. Different because usually I, I love to teach through a text or from one verse and, and just uh, just uh, marinate in it <laughs> for for a little while and just soak in it. But today we're good tonight we're going to be looking at several different passages. Tonight's a topical Bible study and I've been thinking for quite a while there needs to be something either written or a series preached or taught on the theology of mundane things. Because as Christians, we have a book that tells us the mind of God for every facet of life. Now, the Bible is not going to tell you how to change a carburetor, how to change the oil. Because thankfully, that's not required of a godly man to know how to fix a vehicle. Uh, some of us know how to change a tire and change oil, but that's about it. Maybe recharge the AC and cool it. That's about it. But for all the things that are common to mankind, the Bible teaches us what God thinks about those things. And tonight, uh, I'm going to uh, be teaching on something a little bit unusual. At least you'll think it sounds unusual at first, because this is not something that is preached on. In fact, I listened to the audiobook version of a book several years back, back when we had CDs. <laughs> it's funny to say back when we had CDs because back when we had CDs, we're talking about back when we had tapes. And when we had tapes, we're talking about back when we had, we had eight tracks. And when we had eight tracks, we're talking about back when we had LPs. And now the LPs are coming back. It's funny, isn't it? Um, but uh, back when we had CDs, Kristen had given me this, this uh, book, audiobook. <clears throat> Uh, written by a good man, uh, big in the homeschool movement, and he had a section on sleep. And you would think from that section, that chapter on sleep, that it's wrong to sleep. And you should really try to get by with as little sleep as possible. And he did, the way he proved that was by showing all the times in the Bible that people got up early. Moses got up early. Abraham got up early. Joshua got up early. David got up early. And uh, they, many of them got up early and sought the Lord. They're also bad people in the Bible that got up early. Um, and of course, I preached uh, Sunday morning about how the Lord prayed all night, continued all night in prayer to God. Well, tonight I want to teach on this, this unusual topic, the theology of sleep. The theology of sleep. I thought about giving this the title of sleep study, but I thought that might be a little bit too humorous. And a little bit sarcastic. So, a theology of sleep. We <laughs> Christians ought to have a theology, a, a biblically, biblically based viewpoint, worldview of sleep. Now you might say, why in the world will we need to have a theology of sleep? Well, if you are normal, you spend almost one-third of your life sleeping. Maybe only one-fourth, if you have several children and you're a mother, <laughs> Or if you're a dad with several children, you might get little sleep. But the point is, the truth is, the fact is that we all do spend a good bit of our lives sleeping. Right. And we ought to have a theology of that. We ought to have a biblically-based worldview of that. So we're going to look at several, several, several verses. We're going to begin here with Psalm 4, verse 8. I think I taught through Psalm 4 two Wednesdays back. 
And we just, I just touched on verse 8, but I want to use verse 8 tonight as our springboard into the other passages. Psalm 4, verse 8, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. There are many verses in the Bible that speak about sleep. I think this might be one of the best. Because this verse tells us that God causes his people to sleep. And he, give, he keeps them safe as they sleep. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. Why? Why can I do this? Why will I do this? Because thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Let's pray and dig into our Bibles tonight. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to spend time together in prayer and in singing and now in study of the scriptures. We thank you, Father, that you do hear us. Thou art the God that hearest prayer. And unto thee, O thou that hearest prayer, shall all flesh come. And we have poured our hearts out to thee tonight, and we continue in our hearts for many things. And you know the burdens, and you know the cares, and we are doing what we can to cast our burden upon the Lord as you instruct us, and to cast our cares upon thee as you instruct us. Now, Father, as we study the Word of God, I pray that you give our hearts rest that only Christ can give us. And I pray you'd help us to have a proper and biblical view of every aspect of our lives, and not just have the right view, but to live according to the truth. Mm -hmm. So we ask you, Father, to open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law this evening. We ask you, Father, to comfort our hearts. We ask you, Father, to teach us thy word and help us to obey. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's just take a little trip through the Bible as we learn about sleep. About sleep. And please don't go to sleep. We, we showed up at a church in Tennessee uh, back in 2017, I think it was way back in the sticks in Tennessee. And there was a large man who actually looked like my granddaddy. Now, it's funny they look like my granddaddy because granddaddy was large this way, but it wasn't large this way. This guy was about this tall and about as big as my granddad, and actually bigger. And he said something about, uh, I just want you to know that uh, we, we drove all night. We had a funeral, family funeral. We drove all night. We just came back. He said, uh, if I fall asleep, it's not because you're, it's not because of anything to do with your preaching. I said, that's fine. As long as I don't fall asleep while I'm preaching, we'll be okay. <laughs> so please don't fall asleep as we study the theology of sleep tonight. Open your Bibles to, uh, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And God created the heaven and earth in six days. In six literal days. Six solar days. Chapter 2 sums that up, and it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. God didn't rest because he was tired. It simply means he ceased from work. What do you think he did on the seventh day that he ceased from work? 
I don't know, I, I can't prove this, but I like to think that he just looked out over all that he made and said, it is very good. Amen. It is very good. And it was very good. We looked at it, we look at this earth, which is still beautiful in many places, especially where man's hand hasn't put too much concrete and steel uh, and fill it with uh, exhaust. Uh, and there are some beautiful places, but this is a cursed earth. This earth is under the curse of sin. We're living in post-Genesis 3. Right. We're living in post-fall of Adam into sin. And this earth has a curse upon it. But even with the curse upon it, some of that original beauty still shines through. And it reminds us of what it was like when God made it and said, It is very good. Chapter 1, verse 31. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. In the evening, in the morning, for the sixth day. God himself set the example for taking a day per week to rest. Now, aren't you glad that his revelation about sleep didn't stop there? Aren't you glad he, that's not all that God said about resting? Because if it was, we might get the idea that we ought to sleep only one day, or rest one day a week. Well, we should rest one day a week, but we don't need to rest only one day a week. Aren't you glad about that? Genesis chapter 2, and verse 15, the Bible says, expands a little bit on day six here and the lord god took the man and put him into the garden of eden to dress it and keep it by the way keep in mind i mentioned a few weeks ago that god made man outside the garden out in the wild the untended part of his creation and he put the man into the garden and he told the man i want you to take care of this garden dress it which means tend to it and keep it which means to protect it Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Man's first big uh, re, uh, responsibility or uh, rule, first rule. Verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him help meet for him. I used to pray that when I was single. Your God who said... God said. Come down to verse number 21. And the Lord God, by the way, may I throw this in? God created the man with a need. Does not mean that God made man flawed, it means that God made man with a need that he only he can satisfy. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. There is so much truth packed in that, that sentence right there that it would take quite a while to unpack all that truth. Simply notice this. God caused the sleep. As far as we know, this is the first time that Adam slept. This was on day six. Probably toward the end of day six because he's already named the animals that God brought to him. God caused deep sleep. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. Another truth here is that when God causes you to sleep, you sleep. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh and said thereof in the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman. And brought her unto the man. The evolutionists look at that and they, they laugh at us. They say, oh, you Christians believe. You, you 
fundamentalists, you creationists, you young earth creationist fundamentalist Christians believe that a woman was made from a rib, and we say yes, and you believe that all of life came from a single cell organism, which came from where? Explosion. Oh, an explosion. Ah, yes, yes, explosion. One time phenomena. <laughs> And so God made man to fall asleep so that he could give him a blessing. God made man fall asleep so he could give him a gift. If Adam hadn't fallen into that deep sleep, he couldn't have awakened to see Eve and to speak that, uh, that deep theology and say, this is, whoa, man. <laughs> That's in Hebrew, you know. Thank you. Someone got it. My kids always tell me, Dad, Dad Joe, Dad Joe, oh, Dad Joe. I got that from a preacher on the radio years ago. But that's not mine. I did repeat it though. But God made Adam sleep so that he could give him a wonderful gift. Now, God also often spoke to men during their sleep. We'll look at just a few of these. Look at Genesis 15. Abraham, the father of the faithful. Genesis chapter 15. And verses 12 through 16. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Oh, pause. It was when Abram was in a deep sleep and when there was a horror of great darkness about him. Somehow God put Abram in a state of fear in his darkness or in his sleep. And in that darkness and in that horror, that terror that Abram felt in his sleep, God spoke to him. And he said this. Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them. And they shall afflict them four hundred years. Now, kids, you young Bible scholars, what was that people, that group of people that afflicted them four hundred years? The Egyptians. Verse 14. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterwards shall they come out with great of great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, and so on. And so God made that covenant and that promise with Abram while he was in a deep, deep sleep. In a deep sleep. God also spoke to God also spoke to Abram's grandson. Come over to Genesis 28. He spoke to Abram's grandson when his grandson was asleep. Genesis 28. Verses 10 through 16. The word of God says, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, or Haran. And he lied upon a certain place, which means he came to a certain place, and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took up the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. 
Now, many Bible teachers think that in John chapter 1, the Lord spoke about this dream and indicated when he said that you shall see that the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, that he was saying that this ladder that Jacob saw was a symbol of the Lord Jesus. Verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed, which means thy descendants, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Has God kept that promise? Amen. Has God blessed all the families of the earth through Jacob? In Jesus Christ he has. God kept that promise. What I want you to see is that God spoke to Jacob in his sleep. In his sleep. Verse 15. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Verse 16. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. It wasn't until Jacob was asleep that God could speak to him. I wonder why. Is it possible that we men, especially men, now ladies too, but especially men, we are we are so much, God, God made us to be protectors and providers for whoever is under our care, our wives, our children, whoever they are. God has made us that way. And so when we're awake, we are constantly thinking about what we need to do. That's what Jacob was doing. Only he was thinking about himself. <laughs> he was thinking about how to survive his brother trying to kill him. What can I do? And when he went to sleep, then God could talk to him. Would you agree with me that in these two illustrations, these two instances where Abram fell asleep, where he could do absolutely nothing, and God came to him, and Jacob, when he was asleep, could not do anything, wasn't looking for God really, and God came to him, would you agree with me that possibly God brought these men through sleep into a mental condition, a mental state in which they could finally listen to him? Or that they were in a situ in a mental condition where they could not really do anything and therefore God could do something in his promises to them and make promises to them that they had no bearing on whatsoever. It's interesting in Genesis 41 that God also spoke to another man named Pharaoh. Actually, that was his title. Pharaoh is not a name, it's a title. Just like the word Caesar is a title. It was a name, it became a title. And in Genesis 41, God spoke to Pharaoh through a dream, but Pharaoh didn't understand it. Pharaoh had to get one of the line of Abraham to interpret that dream to him. The dream about the skinny cows and the fat cows. What a dream. Can you imagine dreaming that? I think I would have woke up bothered by that too. What does this mean? And Joseph came and interpreted the dream to him. Come to the New Testament. Now Matthew chapter 1, we're looking at some men that God spoke to in their sleep. So God rested on the seventh day. God put Adam into a deep sleep so that he could give him 
a wonderful gift. God spoke to Abram, made the covenant of his multiplied family, his multiplied descendants. God spoke to Jacob in his sleep, gave him the continued covenant that was given to his grandfather and his father. And now, in the New Testament, another man named Joseph doesn't understand what's happening with his espoused wife, with his betrothed. She's expecting a child. She said she's been with no man. She's expecting a child. How could he reconcile this? And in verse 20, the Bible says, but what, Matthew 1, verse 20, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, unto him in a dream. Oh, when do you dream? Usually when you're asleep. Now, back when I worked security over in Salt Lake, one of the first nights I was there, before my body adjusted to working that nighttime shift, I was walking through a parking garage, and I realized that, well, I didn't realize I was asleep. I realized that I woke up. I woke up, and I thought, I've been walking in my sleep. I just, I was walking, it was a long parking lot, and I just... And I just closed my eyes, I guess, and kept walking. That's weird. That's weird. I don't think I dreamed. I just kept walking and I snapped out of it. What did you see when you walked up? Yeah, oh yeah. So Joseph was asleep. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take her to be married thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall save his people from their sins. Now come down to verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not. So she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Aha. So Joseph went to sleep. He was troubled. He was worried. His mind was in a was in a, in a whirl, and he just didn't know what to do. He was trying to find the right way. He was trying to reconcile justice and mercy. <laughs> and he didn't know how to do it. And he fell asleep. And while he was asleep, God sent an angel to him to tell him, Joseph, here is the solution to the problem. This is all of me. This is all of God. And that child is not just any child. That's the Savior. <laughs> Joseph had to get to sleep before the angel of God could speak to him. Would you agree that so far sleep has uh, proven to be a beneficial thing? Amen. Now, I appreciate that audiobook. That man has some really good things to say, but he made it sound like if you sleep more than you absolutely have to, you're sinning. He made it sound like sleep is a necessary evil. Like, yeah, we have to sleep, but man, it's too bad we do. That's kind of how it came out. Stay in Matthew. Just turn to chapter 2 and look at verse 12. The wise men. Herod told them, when you have found the child, come back and tell me so I can go worship him too. Remember that? And in chapter, and verse 12, after they presented their gifts to the child, verse 12 and being warned of God in 
a what? A dream. That they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. Ah, so God warned them, probably through an angel again. When? When they were asleep. When they were asleep. When they were dreaming. A lot of dreaming going on in this, these two chapters. Remember that the Lord, well, kept look at verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, <laughs> saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and so on. Have you noticed also that these men, they received something in a dream from God, and they obeyed? Amen. They obeyed? As if, okay, God spoke to me. I better do what he said. I better listen, because God knows better. Verse 19. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For they are dead, which sought the young child's life. That's a little bit more reading, but let's read it now. Verse 21 and 22. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus had reigned in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, as you and I would have been. Let's not jump on Joseph's case. He was a normal man. And as our friend Ray Comfort often says, let fear be your friend. Let fear work for you. Notwithstanding, uh-oh, wow, being warned of God in a dream. Now, one of you kids ought to count how many times the Bible says in a dream in these two chapters. Being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside to the parts of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. God spoke to Joseph in a dream, and it was through that dream, an angel of God, and through that dream, because of that dream, Joseph took Mary to be his wife and became the earthly father of Jesus, the legal father of Jesus. And then the, the wise men came, and God warned them in a dream, don't go back to Herod. And then Joseph, God warned him in a dream, take Jesus and his mother down to Egypt until Herod is dead. And then when Herod was dead, Herod was dead, the angel of the Lord came to Joseph again in a dream. And then he was afraid, and the Lord warned him in a dream while they were sleeping. While they were sleeping. Isn't it interesting? God didn't, didn't come. Remember, there was later, later on in the book of Acts when Peter was in prison. The Bible says that he was asleep. I mean, he was in such a deep sleep that when the angel came to him to get him up, to take him out of the prison... The Bible says that the angel smote him in his side. He smote, he kicked him or he hit him to wake him up. He was in such sound sleep. Isn't it interesting that God did not rebuke these men for sleeping and said, now you guys wake up, I got something to tell you. He told them something while they were sleeping. Now we'll get to the theology of that in just a minute. But for now, notice this principle. This is, so, this is so simple. I'm almost embarrassed to say it. Sleep is a good thing. Sleep is a good thing. 
Remember when Elijah ran away from Jezebel? He was scared of her. Elijah had just challenged 450 prophets of Baal, plus the other prophets. And he had dug that trench and he poured all that water on that ox. He, he, I think he cut the ox up. Did he cut it up himself or did he have someone else do it? I don't remember. But he did all of that stuff. He, he was up there. The, the intense pressure on him all day long, up and down that hill. And he just went into a depression. Very understandable. After all of that physical exertion. And he ran a long way. He was just depressed and he was tired. And he wanted to die. And the Lord let him sleep. And talking about that sleep, Pastor Wearsby said, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. There's no Bible verse that says that, but that's true. Sometimes what you need to do is just take a nap. Now, God often spoke to men during their sleep. Does that mean that we should go to sleep expecting to meet an angel in our dreams for God to give us truth? Well, what does 1 Corinthians 13 tell us? When that which is perfect is come, let's look at it. I don't want to misquote that. I'm afraid I'm going to misquote it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the end of the chapter. Verse 10. Oh, verse 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Look at verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. I think that may be speaking of the New Testament and how the New Testament was not finished yet and God was still speaking through dreams. I will not go so far as to say that God would not speak through a dream, but I'd be very, very, very careful about listening to what you thought was the voice of God in a dream and make sure that it does not in any way disagree with the Bible. Because that's our standard. That's how God speaks to us. God hath in these last days, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says, God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. So we need to listen to what his Son said and filter everything through the Bible. So God often spoke to men during sleep. That does not mean it's normal. That's just what God has done. doesn't mean that he promised to do it or continue to do it. In fact, that's not even a spiritual gift. It's not even one of the spiritual gifts that God speaks to people through dreams. Now, God gives sleep as a gift to men. I think we saw that indicated in Genesis chapter 2 with Adam, but let's look at some other examples of that. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Psalm 23 and verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Verse 3, he restoreth my soul. What is this all about? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. A shepherd understands this. Abel was a shepherd. A sheep will not lie down in green grass. 
unless his tummy is satisfied already with green grass. He will continue to be looked, if he's not full, if he's not satisfied, he'll be looking around for more somewhere else. But David said that God makes me so satisfied that he makes me just to lie down and rest. We get that from verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will lack for nothing. And therefore, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He gives us rest. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Just read Ecclesiastes in my personal reading recently, and I was struck by this idea that Solomon wrote with such wisdom. And yet, it seems that he did not even get to enjoy the fruit of his wisdom because he was so busy chasing the pleasures of life. He did not, he, he did not get to enjoy what he could have enjoyed if he had put into practice what he himself wrote about. And here's something really interesting here in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 12. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. The word suffer means a lot. What does that second part mean? The abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. The more you own, the more you worry about it. The more you own, the more you worry about losing it. The less you own, the less you worry about losing it. I visited a little village in northern China one time tiny, 2,000 people, maybe, small village, and uh, spent several hours in, in a home there. My friend was from there. He took me to his home. And uh, they had a small yard, and then they had their brick house, and typical North China fashion. The front was uh, glass, front half, the top half was glass. And uh, they had a little gate, but I don't think it locked. They had doors, but it would have been easy to break into those doors. But they didn't have anything to worry about. They had nothing in their house that someone would come and steal. Who would come and steal coal? <laughs> and a walk over the coal. Who would steal that? <clears throat> they, had, they had a bed. They had quilts on top of the bed. That's about what they had. And, and, and some clothes. But they weren't rich. And so they weren't afraid of someone coming in and taking their stuff. But the more you have, the more you worry about someone, as Ken Davis said, stealing your stuff. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. People that spend all their time on video games and movies and things that don't really amount to anything, they don't sleep well. They might sleep, but they don't sleep well. But a man who works hard, he's, he's cut the grass, he's, he's uh, dug up sweet potatoes, uh, he has uh, built some shelves or whatever. He's, he's been working with his hands, he's, he's hot, he's sweaty, he gets a shower, he eats, and he knocks out. Why? Because the sleep of a laboring man is 
sweet. Lesson, if you want to sleep well, work hard. Want to sleep well, work hard. God gives sleep as a gift. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I understand that Matthew 11, this passage is uh, spiritual in nature. But there's a great truth in it here. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 that I think can apply to our hearts and minds which will affect our bodies. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He didn't say, I will keep you awake. I will give you rest. He didn't say sleep is bad, sleep as little as you can, and work as many hours as you possibly can. He says, come unto me, and I will give you rest. You're laboring. You're heavy laden. You have heavy burdens upon you. Come to me. I'll take those burdens off of you. I'll take your sin away. I'll give you peace. I'll give you rest. John chapter 11. John chapter 11 raises and answers a whole host of questions. There's a little nugget of truth here in this section in John chapter 11. The Lord knew that Lazarus was dead. His disciples did not know that. He was sick and he died. The Lord knew what he would do. He was going to go and raise Lazarus from the dead. Verse 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Why did they say that? Is it because they were dumb disciples? We like to criticize and think the disciples said they were dumb because they did say many ignorant things. And we know that because we're looking back through the New Testament, that's what we know now. But many things that they said, they didn't know what they were, they didn't know what they were talking about because they couldn't know. But this is, is really interesting here. Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Was that one of their dumb sayings? Someone, someone ought to write a book, The Dumb Sayings of the Apostles. But that wasn't one of them. <laughs> because it's true. If you're sick and you sleep, that's good for you. If he sleep, he shall do well. How be it Jesus spake of his death? But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. So the Lord was not going to wake him up from sleep. He was going to wake him up from death. But if it had been sleep because he was sick, that would have been good. Sleep is a gift from God that God gives us. Look at Matthew chapter 8. The Lord Jesus Christ is our example in all things. We're thinking about the theology of sleep. And our theology as New Testament Christians would be incomplete if we don't look to see if the life or the teaching of the Lord Jesus had some bearing upon this issue. And the Lord's life actually spoke about this. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, beginning at verse 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he 
was asleep. <laughs> when Brother First and his friend and I and someone else and a couple of the guys went out on a, a boat, I think it was 2018. We went out in this deep sea fishing for, uh, I'd love to say we caught a mahi, but we didn't catch anything. I sat in the corner of the boat watching them catch a big and beautiful mahi mahi. Oh, it was beautiful. And I sat there thinking, that's nice. That's so pretty. <laughs> well, Brother First is a fisherman. He loves to fish, and apparently his friend does too, because he and his friend went down into the boat and fell asleep. Some of us couldn't even stay, you know, keep our, our breakfast in, uh, even on top on the deck, watching the land, you know. They went down there, knocked out, just cracked. They slept through the whole thing. Let's go fishing, and then go to sleep. And that was calm sea, and I lost it. That's probably why the Mahi Mahi came. Maybe fiddle. Yes, it came because of me. Maybe I did help catch the fish. The Lord fell asleep. There was a storm on the boat, and it wasn't a covered boat. This was an open Galilean fishing boat. It was being tossed around, and the Lord was asleep in the boat. And you know what happened. They woke him up and they said one of those dumb sayings of the apostles. Lord, save us. We perish. I mean, hello. Hello. Sometimes logic doesn't rule when you're, when you're afraid. If they were following him because he was the Lord. Would the boat go down with him in it? Would he let that happen? And they, they didn't say, Lord, save yourself. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been the noble thing to do? Lord, save yourself. <laughs> they said, Lord, save us. We perish. <laughs> and the Lord took care of it. Why are you so fear Why are you fearful, O ye little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. The Lord brought peace to the situation. He went through the situation asleep. Is it wrong to sleep? God rested on the seventh day. The Lord Jesus rested here in the boat. Look at Luke chapter 6. I know we talked about this passage Sunday morning. Lord willing, if I teach again anytime soon, I'll continue that, that Bible study. But Luke chapter 6 verse 12 is an anomaly. It's not the ordinary. It's not the way the Lord usually did things. That's why Luke recorded it. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Now, someone can say, oh, you see, the Lord Jesus, that was his habit. He did that all the time. No, as far as I know, that's the only time Luke recorded it. And Luke was very careful to record detail, detail, detail. If it was ordinary for him to do that, Luke probably would have said, as was his custom. Because that's what he said about the Lord going to the to the to the, the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom. In other words, this is his habit. This is what he did every Sabbath. He went to the synagogue to either hear the scriptures read or to read and expound the scriptures. To worship God with his people the, in the place where they worship God. That was his habit. He doesn't say that here. This was a unique 
situation. The Lord spent all night in prayer. We should too. Once a week. Once a month. Once a year. You know the Bible never tells us that we have to do this? That's a relief, isn't it? I, I have some very good friends who now I think have grown up to see that there's something that we try to do as, as young, very zealous guys, zealous for God that we're really just Fun ideas, but it, it never worked. We tried to have all night prayer meetings. We tried. We'd get to about one o'clock, and then it became a snoring party. <laughs> we never did, never did successfully pray all night long. I can't even stay awake all night long, even if I'm doing something I want to do. I, I, I've tried to drive all night long. I can't do it. Can't do it. Start seeing things. It's not safe. <laughs> The Lord stayed up at least once. But as far as we know, this was not his habit. This was a special thing. That's why Luke recorded it. I'm pointing that out to say this. On most nights, when the sun went down, guess what the Lord was getting ready to do? Go to sleep. And when the sun came up, guess what he was getting ready to do? Get up. <laughs> Now, there's a good lesson. There are people living in our time that have never seen the sunrise. That's sad. <laughs> That's really sad. And there are some people that uh, don't know what it means to enjoy dark and to sleep. God gave us the dark as a gift so we could sleep, so our bodies could replenish, so our minds could, could fix themselves. It's funny, I think I, I, I mentioned that in that sermon on Sunday morning, and then on Monday night, we were reading that book about uh, my my listening years, and the chapter was about sleep and all the benefits that sleep gives us. There are so many benefits given us by sleep. And one of them is that our body literally repairs what we broke in the daytime. Right. And so if you don't sleep, you literally on an on a cellular <laughs> cellular level begin to fall apart. That's scary. God gave us sleep. According to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, our heavenly existence is likened to rest. That doesn't mean we're going to be sleeping in heaven. That doesn't mean that we're going to be uh, in a, a state of sleep or dreaming all the time. It just means that this life is the work time. This life is the struggle. This life now, this is where the hardship, this is where the sadness and the sorrow are. And then in heaven, none of that. It will be rest from that. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. A rest. We are going to rest someday in heaven. We're looking forward to that. But in the meantime, we as God's people can claim some promises. Let's look at these very quickly. Please write these down because these are good to hang on to in those nights that you can't sleep. Psalm 127, verse 2. Psalm 127 and verse number 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. Huh? It is vain for you to rise up early. Really? What's the context? 
Is he telling you if you don't get up early? You shouldn't see the sunrise. <laughs> no, he's not saying that. The context is that if you're trying to build your house or watch or keep or protect your city without the Lord's help, you're doing it in vain. It's empty. It's not going to work. In that context, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. If you're trying to, to just burn the candle at both ends and just keep things going all the time and, and not get enough rest because you're eating the bread of sorrows, not resting in God's provision through sleep for you, it's just going to make you sorry. For so he giveth his beloved what? Sleep. He giveth his beloved sleep. In Christ, according to Ephesians, what are we? We are accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the beloved. God loves us as he loves his son. You, as a child of God, are his beloved. Hmm. He giveth his beloved sleep. And that brings us full circle back to Psalm 4. And verse 8. Psalm 4, verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. God gives us safety. And when you're resting in God's protection and in God's peace, you can lay yourself down and sleep. Psalm 4. Verse 8, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. God gives his people sleep. I'm glad for that. Now, nothing very deep, right? <clears throat> nothing too deep except references to the sleep. <laughs> deep sleep. And thank you for staying awake, except for this one right here on the front. You're just, oh, you're still awake. Hi. Must be the ice cream you had today with Grandpa. All right, so look at sleep as a gift from God. Look at sleep as a, a, a tool that God gives us through which he gives us good things. He restores us. He refreshes us. Talked to Mom last night. I, she was she was kind of apologizing that she couldn't say more. I said, Mom, just sleep. Just rest. Just rest. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just, just rest. You need to sleep. You need to rest. If you sleep, you shall do well. So, there's a theology of sleep. There's a theology of sleep. Now, maybe some other time we'll do a theology of hard work. That would be good. Let's pray. Thank you, O Father, for the Word of God. Thank you for giving us the gift of sleep. And I pray that... Um, we will, in the daylight hours, work hard as we should, doing what you've called us to do and given us to do. And in the night, let us rest, let us sleep. And when we feel like we cannot sleep, let us cry out to you and ask you, Lord, you promised he giveth his beloved sleep. And in Christ, we're part of the beloved, accepted in the beloved. We thank you for this good gift. We thank you for teaching us about something that is so common, but we don't often think, that you have something to say about it. But you do. You do. Because you love us. Provide for us. We thank you, O Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.